Section 19 of Birds and Nature, Volume 10, Number 4, November 1901. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Scotty Smith. The Striped Hyena, Hyena Striata. The first hyena in which I became interested lived in a zoological garden connected with a well-known park. I cannot claim that she was a beautiful creature, for, if all must be told, she had the same ugly appearance of every other striped hyena, and yet her very ugliness made her somewhat interesting. She would look at me from her slanting eyes with an unsteady, uncanny expression. Her thick head and neck, her stout body, her shorter hind legs and longer front ones, causing her back to slope from shoulder to tail like a small toboggan slide, gave her an extremely awkward look, I admit, and then she had but four toes on each foot, as is the case of all members of the hyena family. Her body was covered with rather long, coarse hair of a yellowish-gray color striped with black. Her tail was short and bushy, and along the spine the hair grew long and stiff, making a sort of mane. Her ears were large, erect, and devoid of hair, and her voice, well, it was something to startle the uninitiated. There were shrieks, murmurs, and growls, sometimes hoarse and sometimes shrill, and yet I am told that it is mild and musical compared with the ghostly laughter of her cousin, the spotted hyena, and yet her voice is not pleasant to hear. In spite of all these characteristics, I was interested in Mrs. Hyena, perhaps on account of her unhappy lot for she was not loved as were other animals around her. There was Duchess the Elephant, Major the Lion, and other favored ones whose personality was recognized, as they all had names and they received much attention. But Mrs. Hyena had no name, for the keeper declared that she was such a miserably cowardly mean creature that she was not worth one. She was only the Hyena to him, though he had cared for her for many years and sometimes had been obliged to put her in the hospital because her mate had mauled and punished her so badly. And was she not to be pitied because she was so far from those of her own kind? For hyenas are not native in the new hemisphere, and to seek her own she would be obliged to cross the ocean to the coast of Africa. There she would find many of her own kind, and should she cross into southern Asia as far as the Bay of Bengal, she would still find many friends, while in central and southern Africa her cousin, the spotted hyena, would be plentiful, and at the south, along the western coast, her other cousin, the brown hyena, would be found. In spite of the large area in which the various members of the family may be found, a traveler may be in the country some time without seeing one, for they are nocturnal in their habits, hiding by day in their haunts among the rock-cut tombs in Syria and Palestine, or among holes and caves in the rocks in other countries, sometime lurking among ruins, but more often inhabiting a den made by digging a hole in the side of a cliff or ravine but at night it is heard, if not seen, as it goes forth to seek its food. It prefers food already killed, and only attacks a living animal when driven to it by lack of carrion. Its powerful jaws enable it to crush the bones which other animals leave, 
as the cleaning up of the world must be done in some way for the good of all can we not believe that the hyena has an important mission to fulfill in spite of the strong feeling against it it takes what other animals leave and is the vulture among beasts there seems to be little known about the brown hyena it is found in a comparatively small region and is in some respects like the spotted hyena though it is smaller being about the size of the striped hyena the spotted hyena is the largest of the three the most ferocious stupid and cruel owing to the legs being nearly of the same length it is less awkward than the striped species there are no animals about whom there are so many superstitions even pliny writing in the first century tells us that it imitates the human voice among the stalls of the shepherds and while there learns the name of some one of them and then calls him away and devours him it is also said that coming in contact with its shadow dogs will lose their voice and that by certain magical influence it can render any animal immovable round which it has walked three times the arabs believe that people who partake of the brain of the hyena become insane and the head of the hyena is always buried lest it should be used by wicked sorcerers for their diabolical charms they also believe that the hyena are sorcerers in disguise who assume human shape by day and prowl around as hyenas by night working destruction upon good people the stories of the body-snatching propensities of the striped hyena are much exaggerated if this occurs at all it is when the body is very lightly covered with sand and when other food is lacking the dislike for the hyena seems to exist wherever the animal is found in many parts of india when killed the body is treated with every mark of indignity and then burned and yet the striped species is capable of great attachment colonel sykes states that in certain districts in central india it is as susceptible of domestication as ordinary dogs and dr brehm who found every created animal interesting once had two young hyenas for pets but i will give the narration in his own words a few days after our first arrival in khartoum we purchased two young hyenas for a price equal to twenty-five cents in american money the animals were about the size of a half-grown terrier clothed in a very soft fine woolly fur of dark gray hue and they were very spiteful notwithstanding they had enjoyed human society for some time we put them in a stable and i visited them daily at first they were addicted to vicious biting but repeated sound blows overawed their resistance and three months after the day of purchase i could play with them as i would with a dog without having to fear any mischief on their part their affection for me increased every day and they were overjoyed when i visited them when they were more than half grown they signified their pleasure in a very strange manner as soon as i entered the room they rushed at me with a joyous howl, put their forepaws on my shoulder, and sniffed my face. Later on, I led them by a single string through the streets of Cairo to the horror of all good citizens. They were so affectionate that they often paid me a call without being invited, and it made a surprising as well as uncanny impression on strangers to see us at the tea table. 
Each of us had a hyena at his side, and the animal sat on his haunches as quietly and sensibly as a well-behaved dog who pleads for a few scraps at the table. The hyena did that also, and their gentle request consisted of a low but very hoarse cry. They expressed their gratitude either by the same sounds and actions they used in greeting me as above described, or by sniffing my hands. They were passionately fond of sugar, but also had a great liking for bread, especially if it was soaked in tea. Their usual food was pariah dogs, which we shot for the purpose. My pets were on good terms with each other. If one were absent for any considerable length of time, there was great joy when the two met again. In short, they proved to me quite conclusively that even hyenas are capable of warm attachment. John Ainsley End of Section 19